My name is John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And the question for today is simply this, are you satisfied with Jesus? Have you come to the place in your life where you can honestly say that Jesus Christ is enough for me? Think about it. If God never answered another prayer, if he never met another need, if he never solved another problem, If God never changed anything about your circumstances, about your job, about your health, about your personal life, can you honestly say that you're satisfied with Jesus? Is Jesus so real to you that you have come to experience in Him not only salvation, but also satisfaction? That is the ultimate form of contentment, happiness, joy, and peace. Well, I hope that you can say yes to that question. I hope that you can say yes. I'm just that satisfied with Jesus. But the fact is, maybe you can't say yes. Maybe today you would have to say, you know what, John? I know that Jesus is my Savior. I know that heaven is my home. I know that Jesus can satisfy me because there have been times in my life when I have been satisfied by Jesus. But maybe at this season in your life, you're just not satisfied with Jesus. It's not that you don't love him. It's not that you don't believe in him, but it is that the valley you are facing is so deep and the night is so long and the problem is so big that you're beginning to wonder, is Jesus really enough? Well, if you feel that way, I have good news for you today. I think we've all felt that way from time to time. There have certainly been times in my life when I have said, I know beyond the shadow of any doubt that Jesus is enough for me. I'm satisfied with Jesus. But there have been other times in my life where I've had to wonder, Is Jesus really enough now? It looks like this thing is so desperate or this situation is so difficult. I mean, I I know in my head that he's enough, and I even believe that in my heart. But sometimes in the practical experiences of our life, we just wonder, is Jesus really enough? Can he really satisfy me and give me contentment and deep down joy in my life? So whether you're fully satisfied with Jesus or not quite satisfied with Jesus, I pray that this sermon will be a real blessing to you today. And thanks again for joining us on Peace by Believing. Amen and amen. Well, if you'll open your Bibles this morning, the Gospel of John, chapter number six, I want to show you one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the story where Jesus fed the multitude, where he fed the 5,000. It's a true story, and it's one of the most interesting passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Now, our group that has just returned from Israel on that trip made lots of stops, and one of the stops they made was at this particular location. We have a picture of this. This is the spot on the hillside of the Sea of Galilee where the Bible says one day Jesus sat down with his disciples and they were talking, and then Jesus looked up and noticed that thousands of people were coming towards them. In fact, the Bible says there were 5,000 men, and so if you figure each of them had a wife, that'd be 10,000. If they had a couple of kids, uh, each couple, that'd be about 20,000 people. So probably somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people is a realistic estimate of how many people were coming up to Jesus and his disciples. And when Jesus looked at them, he could tell that they were hungry. And so Jesus asked one of his disciples, Philip, he said, Philip, Where are we going to find food to feed all these people? And Philip said, Lord, if we took eight months' wages, 
we would not be able to feed all these people. There would be no way to even give them a small amount of food if we gave eight months of a year's salary. All of us donated that. And so the Bible says that about this time, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, here's a little fella, a little boy, who has five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, that's what we have up here today, five loaves of bread, and aren't you glad we have two fake fish? These are not real, these are not real fish. The bread is real, but the fish is not real. But back when uh, Andrew came up to Jesus, both the bread and the fish were real. But then Andrew said to Jesus, what are they among so many? I mean, here we have 15 to 20,000 people, and the only thing we have to feed them with are these five loaves of bread and these two fish. Jesus said to his disciples, have everybody to sit down on the ground. In fact, we read in one of the Gospels that Jesus said, have them sit down in groups of 50. Make a big circle, 50 people in each circle. And so they did. And then Jesus took the bread, of course, and he broke the bread, and he blessed the bread, and he gave it to the disciples. And you know the story. The disciples went out to all these different groups, and they began to feed the people, and the people ate all that they wanted to eat. And when they got finished, there, was even, there were even 12 basketfuls left over. It is one of the seven main miracles in the Gospel of John. Now, the question is, what is the meaning behind the miracle? What is the significance of this particular miracle? Well, some people would say the purpose of the miracle, the meaning of the miracle, is to demonstrate the fact that little is much when God is in it. In other words, you just give God what you have, even if it's only five loaves of bread and two fish, and the Lord can take that and he can multiply that little as much with God when God is in it. And that's true. Little is much when God is in it. You may not have a lot, but you give what you have to the Lord and he can take that and he can use that. But is that the main meaning of this miracle? Did Jesus feed all these people just to teach us that little is much when God is in it? Well, some people say so. Others say, no, the main meaning of this miracle, the reason Jesus performed this miracle, was to teach the people that uh, it's important to feed the hungry. It's important to meet the physical needs of people. And it certainly is. We're commanded in the scriptures to, to feed hungry people, to help poor people. But is that really the meaning of this miracle? In fact, if you look down in verse number 27... You'll notice, in fact, verse number 26, Jesus answered and said to them, now this is after they've all eaten and they've all full and the miracle is over with. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And then in verse 27, he said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you. And so Jesus said, after he fed all these people, he, now they're following him everywhere he goes. Here this group is. And Jesus said, the only reason that you're following me is because I gave you a free lunch. I fed you. And you think if you'll keep following me, that I'll keep feeding you. But Jesus said... What you don't understand is the food that you're eating doesn't really satisfy because if it did, you wouldn't have to keep eating three times a day. And Jesus was saying there's something more important than food. You know, there are seven and a half billion people on the planet. The last number that I've heard, how many people are alive today? Seven and a half billion people. Now, let's just play like I had seven and a half billion dollars in my bank account, seven and a half billion. And I said, I want to do something for everybody in the world. But 
I have seven and a half billion dollars. There's seven and a half people. And so I say, what I would like to do is to provide a snack for everybody on the planet. Cost about a dollar to buy a good snack. And so I buy a snack and somehow we figure out a way to get that to all the people. And they would say, this is from a guy named John down in Texas. He, he came across some money and he wanted to share his wealth with you. And so here's a free snack from John. He spent all of his money to give everybody on the planet a snack. And so everybody had this granola bar, whatever the snack was, and they appreciated that. But you know, about two hours or three hours after they ate that snack, they would be hungry again. And so I would have spent seven and a half billion dollars doing what? Giving people a snack. Would they have appreciated it? Yes. Would they have enjoyed it? Sure. But would it have satisfied them over the long haul? No, not at all. And so the primary purpose of this miracle, I don't believe, is to teach that we should feed the hungry, although we should feed the hungry, but Jesus himself is saying here, if all you do is meet the physical needs of people and neglect the spiritual needs of people, you're only temporarily meeting a lesser need. The purpose of this miracle... The meaning behind this miracle is to communicate to us that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Now look in verse number 35. Jesus gave us the meaning of the miracle in this verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Say that with me. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And then in verse 48, he said the same thing. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead, Jesus said. Your ancestors back there in that wilderness under the leadership of Moses, God gave them manna from heaven. But that manna was only a picture of me. That manna was a glimpse of a greater bread, a more satisfying bread that would one day come. He said, your fathers ate the manna that my father provided for them, and yet your fathers are dead. In other words, the physical bread only... Uh, did so much good. And then in verse 50, he said, this is the bread which comes down from heaven, talking about himself, that one may eat of it and not die. And so the purpose of this miracle, the meaning behind this miracle is to say to us that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Now, if you'll think about that, what that means is this, whatever is true of this bread is true of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And so in this miracle, when the bread was being broken, when the bread was being distributed, when the bread was being eaten, and when the bread was being carried off by in those 12 basketfuls at the end, Jesus is saying, you better look at that bread. You better think about that bread because whatever is true of the bread is true of me because I am the bread of life. And that bread merely points to me. Now, as I was thinking about the bread back in this story, when that little boy came up to Andrew and said, hey, I have some uh, food. I have five loaves of bread and two fish. And they took, Andrew took him to Jesus. Let's think about that bread. First of all, I want you to think about the, that bread and then think about Jesus. I'm just making some observations now about the bread. And I wish you'd jot some of these things down. First of all, notice the apparent scarcity the apparent scarcity. Andrew said to Jesus, what, what is this among so many people? In other words, what he was saying is, Jesus, we have a little bread and we have two fish, but compared to fifteen to 20,000 people, this is not going to go very far. What he was saying is, we don't have enough bread to do any good. Now, remember what I said a moment ago, what's true of the bread is true of Jesus. 
There was the apparent scarcity of the bread on that hillside by the Sea of Galilee. And sometimes in our lives, if we're honest, we say, I know I'm saved. I know that Jesus Christ is living in my heart. But Jesus doesn't seem to be enough. It doesn't seem like Jesus is enough to help me through this situation. It doesn't seem like Jesus is enough to meet my needs. I started to begin this sermon by coming out here today and asking a question. And this was the question that I was going to ask. It's simply this. Are you satisfied with Jesus? If I were to stand out here today and say, do you believe that Jesus saves? I think everybody in here would say, amen, I believe Jesus saves. But if I were to ask you, do you believe that Jesus satisfies? Probably if I asked that question the right way and kind of set you up to say amen in response, you would say amen, we believe Jesus satisfies. I mean, you know that's the right answer. But if I were to then ask you, are you satisfied with Jesus? And you thought about that question and answered that question honestly, I think there would be many here today who would say, yes, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I think there would be others here today who would say, you know, John, I know that Jesus satisfies. There have been times in my life when I have been satisfied with Jesus, but if I told the truth today, with what I'm facing, with what I'm going through, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, I know that Jesus satisfies, but at this time in my life, it, does, it just doesn't seem like Jesus is enough. And what I'm saying to you today is, that's just, that's just normal. That's the experience of life. Because Jesus said, remember, whatever is true of this bread is true of me. And what he was saying is, there will be times in your life when you will think to yourself, I know I have Jesus but I'm not sure if Jesus is enough. There's the apparent scarcity of the bread, of this bread and even of the bread of life. But then notice, and this is my second observation about that bread, the eventual sufficiency of the bread. After Jesus took that bread and prayed over it and began to distribute it, that bread began to multiply. It's called the multiplication of the fishes and the loaves. And the people ate and they ate and they ate, and it was like an all-you-can-eat dinner at Sudi's Catfish House on Spencer Highway. I mean, they just eating all the food that they wanted to eat. They ate fish and bread until they were stuffed. And they said, I can't have any more. So at the end of the story, what seemed to be scarcity at the beginning is now sufficiency at the end. And I'm sure even Andrew and the little boy and all the disciples thought, wow, we didn't think there was enough bread to go around, but now everybody's stuffed, everybody's full. Remember, what's true of this bread is true of Jesus. And even though there are times in our life when we, we probably wouldn't even say it to another person, but we probably all thought this, I know I have Jesus, but I don't know if Jesus is enough. And yet, as we go on with God, as we continue in our faith, we come to a place where we say, you know what? Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is all I need. Jesus satisfies me. The old song says, when you get to the place in your life where you find that Jesus is all that you have, that's when you discover that Jesus is all that you need. And so there is the eventual sufficiency of Jesus, and we say he is enough. That doesn't happen immediately, but it happens eventually. And then we come to a place where we experience the ultimate surplus, just like this bread. There, they, Jesus broke it. They distributed it. The people ate it. They were filled it was sufficient for them, and then they collected, and there were 12 basketfuls left over. And that's why sometimes when we come to church, we sing that song about how Jesus is more than enough. 
Not only is Jesus enough, but he's more than enough. And so notice the progression here in this story. The apparent scarcity doesn't seem like we have enough. The eventual sufficiency, it is enough. And the ultimate surplus, it is more than enough. Now I wonder today as you think about your life and your own relationship with God, which one of those three categories are you in? Are you at a place today where you would say, John, I believe in Jesus, but I'm in the first stage. I'm in the apparent scarcity. I don't see how Jesus is enough for me right now. I think there would probably be some here. Others would say, well, I've been there, but I have come to now find that Jesus is sufficient. He is enough. And others would say, you know what? I have discovered and I'm now experiencing that Jesus is not only enough, he is more than enough. Now, here's the question that I think we would be wise to try to answer today. What has to happen in order for Jesus to become not only enough for us, but more than enough? Where we can honestly say, I'm satisfied with Jesus. Not only am I saved, but I am truly satisfied with Jesus Christ. Well, remember... Whatever is true of this bread is true of Jesus. And so just like this bread went from being scarce to sufficient to an abounding surplus, in order for Jesus to go from being apparently scarce, not enough, to being enough, to being more than enough, some things have to happen. I wish you'd just jot these down. First of all, and the first one has already happened, and that is he had to be physically broken. Jesus had to be physically broken. Now, this is one of the miracles that is recorded. In fact, I think it's the only miracle recorded in all four of the Gospels, Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's in all the Gospels. And in, you, if you read all four of them, you get some different nuances and some details here that may not be in the other one. And most of the Gospel writers say that when Jesus looked out over fifteen to 20,000 people and he had five loaves of bread and two fish, that the first thing he did, he took that bread... He blessed it. He prayed over it. And then what did Jesus do? He just broke that bread. He broke that. Now think about this. Remember what I said. Whatever is true of this bread is true of Jesus. Now, what does it say that Jesus said in the upper room there in Jerusalem with his disciples on the night before he was crucified? As he was instituting the Lord's Supper, he said, this is my body, which is is, what's the next word? Broken for you. When we take the Lord's Supper, what does the pastor say right before we all take the Lord's Supper? He said, he quotes Jesus. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And so the way that Jesus satisfies us and meets our deepest needs, it goes back to what he did 2,000 years ago when his body was broken, when those nails went in his hands and those nails went in his feet. Think about this. For 33 years, Jesus lived a, a life like no one else has ever lived. Never sinned, never did anything wrong, completely pure in every way. And yet, had Jesus not died on that cross, all we would have would be a good life to look up to and a good life to try to emulate. But we have more than that because Jesus, his body was broken. And so the first thing that has to happen for us to be satisfied is that we, his, his body had to be broken. Second thing that has to happen in order for Jesus to satisfy us, in order for Jesus to meet the deepest needs of our soul. Now, what does it mean when, I'm, when I say for Jesus to satisfy us? It means... That if nothing good ever happened to you again in your life, nothing, you never got a promotion, 
You never got a raise. Nothing changed about your health. Nothing changed about your personal life. If nothing good ever happened again, that you could be at a place in your life where you say, you know what? Doesn't seem that anything's changing circumstantially. But I have come to a place in my life where I am so satisfied with Jesus that it no longer matters to me if my circumstances change. That, that's, to be satisfied with Jesus is to be content. It's to be able to say and to sing and to really mean it. Jesus is enough for me. How does this happen? Well, the thing that we have to do is, is to realize that Jesus has to be spiritually received. He has to be spiritually received. Now, back on this day when Jesus was feeding these people, after he broke the bread, what did he do? He gave some to Andrew and some to Peter and some to Matthew and some to James and some to John. And he said, take that and distribute it to all these people out there. So what did they do? They took the bread and they received it. And then they went to all these circles, all these groups of 50 people. They gave it to them. What did they do? They received it. They had to to receive the bread, just like we have to receive Jesus. He's the bread of life. And what did Jesus say? He said, as many as would receive me, to them God has given the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. So Jesus has to be spiritually received. And then he has to be personally experienced. He has to be experienced. It wasn't enough for those people, uh, for the disciples or for the multitude just to take the bread, what they have to do? They had to eat the bread. They had to receive, the, they had to experience the bread. They had to digest, they had to ingest the bread. And that's how it is with us. If we're going to be satisfied with Jesus, we have to personally experience Him. And I think this is where most of us fail to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ. I think this is the reason that most of us are not as satisfied with Jesus as we could be and as we should be. We have received him spiritually. We've been saved and yet getting saved, that's enough to take you to heaven. But in order to be satisfied with Jesus, you have to do more than just get saved. You have to experience Jesus Christ in your daily life. Well, we're going to have to stop right there today. We're running out of time, and that's okay because this is a good stopping place. And so let's just kind of back up a little bit from something I said earlier in the sermon where I gave those three observations of the bread that day that day on that hillside there by the Sea of Galilee when Jesus was feeding all those people. And remember what I said? I said at the beginning there was the apparent scarcity of bread. There didn't seem to be enough. And then after Jesus fed those people, there was the eventual sufficiency of that bread. There was enough. And then after everybody had eaten, the disciples collected the leftovers, and there was the ultimate surplus of bread. There were 12 basketfuls left over. Now, as you think about your life today, your spiritual life, where you are with God, are you at a place of apparent scarcity where you would say, it just doesn't seem like Jesus is enough for me right now? Or are you at a place of, uh, you know, sufficiency where you say Jesus is enough? Or maybe you're even at a place of surplus where you say Jesus is more than enough. Now, if you're at one of those two places, I just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. But if you're back there at that first place where you say, you know what, John, I love Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just, at this time in my life, it doesn't seem like he's enough. It seems like I'm searching for more and more, a, a bigger house, a better job, a new, a new relationship, more money. I'm searching and looking. It's like I, I must not be satisfied with Jesus 
because if I were satisfied, I wouldn't keep looking in all these different directions. Well, how do we find satisfaction in Jesus? It all begins by receiving Him as Lord and Savior. And then from there, we go through the experiences of life with Him. And we'll be talking about that even more uh, next time on our program together. But for today, let me ask you, have you received Jesus spiritually? Have you reached out your hand of faith and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if not, you can now, if you'll pray this prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you. God bless you and be with us next time.